Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here with Dr. Donnie Wilson talking about a new way to understand teenage stress. It turns out that not everyone responds to stress the same way. And there are different patterns to how our cortisol and adrenaline levels play out over the course of the day when we are in a state of chronic stress. Dr. Donnie breaks down those patterns in her book, Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. And today we're going to be talking with Dr. Donnie about how to understand stress in a deeper way and how to apply that understanding in your family and with your teenager. Dr. Donnie's a naturopathic doctor, natural health expert, certified professional midwife, certified nutrition specialist, and author of The Stress Remedy. She is also the host of the popular podcast, How Humans Heal. Dr. Donnie is going to talk about how even things like eating and sleeping can vary depending on your stress type. You'll learn not only how to handle your own stress better, but how to understand your teenager more deeply. All of that and more is coming up on the show today. Dr. Donnie, thank you so much for being here. This is a pretty revolutionary book. As far as I was concerned, I hear a lot of people talking about stress, but never in this way before. You kind of broke down how stress affects people differently and walking through how there's these different patterns that you recognize of, of, of mm -hmm. how people respond to stress in terms of different levels of different hormones in our body. And it's really, really interesting to me, really have me having a lot of insights about people I know and about myself. Um, how did you discover this? What got you interested in stress? And how'd you sort of start to learn about these different types or different, different categories? Mm -hmm. You know, I've been interested in stress from a young age. I think somehow I came through my childhood, you know, we all get some exposure to stress, of course, as yeah. humans and including in our childhood. And I went on to study naturopathic medicine because I was very interested in how to prevent health issues, how to prevent health issues using diet and lifestyle. And that's why I chose to well get a bachelor's degree in nutrition and then a naturopathic degree. And I, in that process, continued to find myself interested in stress. In fact, I also trained as a midwife. And when I was training as a, as a doula and a midwife, yeah. I studied how stress affects women in labor. Uh, and that was one of the first studies I did was to say, hey, if especially if a woman has a history of stress in her life, is that going to affect her experience of or fear of childbirth? Yeah. And it was very interesting because what I learned from women in childbirth is that 
we certainly need a certain amount of stress as humans, actually, in order for our bodies to work right, in order for the baby to come mm. out, yeah. we need a certain amount of cortisol and adrenaline. And and so that said to me, wait a minute, it's not because I think so many of us figure we're, there's too much cortisol and we need to right. have zero how do we, cortisol. How do we just chill out and get rid of all of that? We're yeah, like we're, stress we're, thinking, completely. we're thinking we need to go to zero, right? We're thinking. Oh, yeah. You know, even the term of like, can I be stress free? Can I, how do I get my cortisol down? These are the terminology that we hear. But in actuality, when we study humans, we see that it's, it's not that we need to be stress free. It's that Mm. we need an optimal amount of stress and an optimal amount of stress hormones in order to function optimally. Mm. It's sort of like a whole different thing, right? And so when I, when I finished my degree and my my residency, I ended up moving to Manhattan right after 9-11, which was a very stressful time. So here I was again in a very stressful environment, helping patients with stress. Mm -hmm. And I decided, let me understand this better. How do I help my patients and how do I help myself? Um, Because I was also suffering from severe migraines. I, I was having these migraines where I wouldn't be able to see patients all day if I got a migraine. So it was like, this isn't going to work. And I had my daughter then and I needed to be able to feel good. So I, I just have this inquisitive mind where I'm like, okay, let me see if I can figure this out. Mm. And so I, I just started testing now right around that time testing became available to measure adrenaline levels in urine. So it became much easier to measure Uh, adrenaline. Before that, we're a lot of it we're assuming, right? We're kind of assuming, we assume, oh, if I'm stressed, I must have high adrenaline or I must have high cortisol. And so I started measuring, I measured my cortisol levels and not just at one time a day. You see, cortisol is a hormone that should be higher in the morning when we wake up. It should wake us up, actually. (laughs) And then it should gradually decrease so it's lowest before we go to bed at night. And so if we really want to know what's going on with our cortisol levels, which is our main stress hormone, we need to measure it at four different times a day, at least like the morning when you wake up and the middle of the day and the evening and the bedtime so we can actually see Mm -hmm. what is this cortisol up to. And so when I started measuring my cortisol levels and my patient's cortisol levels, I started seeing that it's not all the same. We don't all have high cortisol. We don't all have low cortisol. There's a there's variation in what's happening for different humans at different ages. Even if I some at first I thought, well, is this is this something that happens with age, right? Like everybody who's 40 or something ends up with low cortisol. No, it's not an age thing. It could be just as likely who's someone who's eight years old or 18 years old or 80 years old, they could all have the same cortisol level or it could be completely different. And so it's not an age factor. It's not based on sex. It's not based on race. It's not based on location. Or yeah. I know based on research, it's partly determined by our genetics, but not 100% genetics. Genetics plays less than 20% of the role, but there's some amount of our genetics built in about how how does our body respond under stress and how much cortisol and adrenaline are we going to make? Mm, yeah, and how yeah. do we metabolize it? Some people metabolize it faster than others. Some, you know, two people make the same amount of adrenaline, let's say one yeah. person, it drops faster. Another person, it hangs around longer because of the way the body metabolizes it. But it's also determined by our history of stress exposure, history of stress in your childhood, 
even history of stress in your parents life influences how you experience stress today hmm. even your grandparents so they research shows even from our grandparents experience of stress affects what our body does with stress today and so you start to realize wow there's a lot of variables involved here in how my body my human body responds to stress exposure and it's going to be unique to me and so i would measure and measure and analyze and find this is the stress types as i found the five most common patterns of cortisol and adrenaline based on stress exposure all about I want my patients to feel better I want my I had to solve my migraine so I was very motivated to find the solution not just hey what's happening here but now how do, what do we do about it and I didn't learn this in nature by the medical school or in any of the endocrinology textbooks they don't talk about it this way they there's some understanding I mean there's definitely been researchers studying cortisol and stress for over 100 years so there's a lot of research but they yeah. it's not very clinically based and it's not using this testing and so what I found was I needed it to be much more specific. I needed to know if if a person has high cortisol, what's the best treatment, not just in terms of an herb or a nutrient, there's no medication to treat it. So there's, that's not even an option. But if we, if we have high cortisol, what are, what should we change about our lifestyle, our diet, or should we do more exercise or less exercise? Should we do more yoga or less yoga? You know, like, what should we do if we have high cortisol we have some concepts out there that get called stress management right like we all should do our stress management which some of those things there's good research behind you know there's we can talk about that more but i still feel like i want my stress management techniques to be specific to my cortisol and adrenaline levels Mm. right because it's different if a person has high cortisol or high adrenaline or both, their treatment strategy is should be different than someone who has low cortisol, low adrenaline. And we need to be able to individualize that to truly be able to recover from stress and be resilient to stress. Okay, so, so now, uh, is cortisol and adrenaline, is that kind of basically the same thing, those, those two? They're both made by the adrenal glands, which the adrenal glands are above the kidneys. So they're in your in the back in your back really so the brain i say it's like we our brain has a constant radar system for stress it's picking up on right it's like constantly like is there a change in temperature is there a change in light or darkness sound is there right our brain is like constantly like almost feels like yeah exactly exactly it's like where's the stress and then as soon as it sees stress it does two things first it signals what's called the sympathetic nervous system which is what we call fight or flight when you're like sweating and your heart's racing and you're ready to just run that's adrenaline from the sympathetic nervous system and that's a good thing if if you're being chased by a lion or you know like we if something scary does happen you need to be able to have your blood pumping and your brain able to get you out of danger and so we have this built-in fight or flight system and it's just that what tends to happen in our lives is we 
it's it's not just on this rare occasion that we have this stress we're getting exposed to stress day in and day out and so yeah. we're constantly getting this fight or flight system triggered yeah. that's the first piece of it and then that's a quick response right sometimes you go into fight or flight you don't even realize it. you're like what's going on why is my why is my heart racing and i'm sweating all of a sudden oh my fight or flight system got triggered even even can mm. happen with like a blood draw for some people or you know finger poke and you're like what's going on oh that's adrenaline so or sometimes if the alarm goes off right like even just your alarm yeah. when you're waking up in the morning, let alone like a fire alarm, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, the adrenaline went off. But then that'll, that goes through in a couple minutes, it's over. But okay. then it signals, the brain signals to the adrenal glands to make more adrenaline and cortisol. And cortisol is signaling to the whole rest of the body. So cortisol is basically sending out a mass message. You know, I think of it like a text message through your whole body <laughs> saying there's a stress going on. Everybody go into stress mode. You know, we don't need to digest food right now. We don't need to be thinking about other hormone balance. We need to raise our blood sugar levels because blood sugar helps you deal with stress. Mm. We need to, but we're basically going to turn out off everything else. So we even decrease our immune function we had decrease our neurotransmitters start shifting everything mm. shifts into stress mode and then what should happen is the stress goes away and we go out of stress mode right we go oh that stress is done and our body has a self-correction mechanism where now we go out of stress mode again yeah but again what happens when we're like you know, we've got all these deadlines. This is due today or yesterday already. And this yeah. person's mad at me about this. And I've got 10 more things I got to get done today. And I have, you know, the stress piles up. So now the stress system is never getting a chance to reset. It's constantly getting, the adrenals are just being constantly asked to respond. And it's when, when we're constantly asking our adrenal glands to respond, that's when they start to get off track. They never mm. get a full reset. It's like a, it's like a computer or phone when it gets just jammed, right? It's like, you know, you need your, I know this morning, I know, like I got to restart my computer because yeah. it hits a certain point, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, it, the memory needs to clear out and it needs yeah. to reset. Well, how do our human bodies need a chance to reset too? But we, we're not mm. taught that we're mostly taught to go, go, go after the, get this done, be this perfect human, getting everything accomplished, but we don't, we aren't so much taught how to reset, how to, how to allow ourselves to reset. Yeah. And, and how to do it depends on our, uh, our, our, how our body specifically handles stress and, um, copes with, uh, cortisol and adrenaline. Exactly. And I'm hoping they we continue to see more research that's specific to the stress types, because now even when they research something like, let's say, meditation, the research will show, yes, meditation is beneficial, helps to reduce cortisol that's too high. But then I'm thinking, well, what about a person who has too low cortisol? What should they do about meditation? And so when I go through the research, that's what I'm looking for is any research that helps us to clarify. And so in, in the book, in the Master Stress book, that's what I do is I go through and, and share. Here's what we know at this point in time about how to modify what I call your self-care, right? Your mm. some of these 
recovery activities, how to modify your self-care based on your stress pattern or your stress type. Yeah, it's cool. It like uh, connects everything kind of through that lens. So um, you get to go through all these different areas of your life and kind of look at them and see uh, how this connects and what you can be doing differently to sort of optimize. And um, it's really profound. Yeah, it gets you to start thinking and realizing why certain things work and other things don't work as well for you, but though they might work for other people, um, they maybe don't work for you. So I love that. I think it's cool. And um, and really, really powerful. So how do you think that you see people using this like in a family setting? Is this something where you would be kind of um, knowing this as a parent and just kind of using this to make yourself the best that you can be or is it something more where you're going to be trying to teach kind of your teenager how to you're going to see what is their stress type and be sort of teaching them how to work with that as um in the most effective way possible or uh, mm -hmm. what do you sort of see how do you see that playing out or what do you recommend i love that question i i work with a lot of families in some cases it's the the parent who first brings the maybe the child or the teen to come see me um, because maybe they're experiencing anxiety or depression or hormone imbalances or you know just not feeling well and their body's not sleeping well and so I'm seeing more and more parents bring bring their teen to see me and say hey we're going to be graduating from from high school soon and thinking about college or what's next in their life and saying hey we want to be feeling feeling our best and and right now in the standard medical system when someone's experiencing anxiety or attention issues or fatigue or even depression there's only certain go-to medications right that they can that they can prescribe so a lot of times you know a doctor might say well if you're experiencing you know anxiety let's give you something to be calming the anxiety or if you're experiencing yeah. depression let's give you this medication as an antidepressant or if you're having a hard time focusing let's give this adhd medication right so those are kind of their go-to's they might yeah. say hey it'd be good to reduce your stress but that's about the end of this, the story, right? And you're kind of yeah. left with what am I supposed to do with that? Because I, I, how do I reduce my stress when I'm trying to graduate from high school and do these sports or activities? And, you know, it's like, it feels impossible to know what to do. And, and so what I do is I, when people work with me like that, I, I recommend, first of all, testing the cortisol and adrenaline okay. and neurotransmitter levels, because we can, like, let's, if, it can be so it's validating when you can see here's what my cortisol is doing here's what my adrenaline's doing and even we can measure the neurotransmitters and we can measure adrenaline i mean serotonin gaba dopamine we can measure in a urine test you can do at home these are specialty tests and they're not integrated into the standard medical system but they've been available and shown to be accurate in research for over 20 years I think it's even close to 40 years now and it's so I would say hey let's get information about the body because it's amazing when we get information about our bodies now 
because otherwise we're critical of ourselves. Like we think there's something wrong or we're, we mm. think we're, we're not supposed to feel anxious or we're not supposed to feel yeah. low mood. And so if we get some information about our bodies and we can be accepting and say, oh, this makes sense that my cortisol is high or low or that my adrenaline is high or low because I'm a human and I'm having stress response <laughs> like all humans do, you know, and so it's, it becomes this acceptance and validation and then we can say, okay, now we have so many tools to address it from a natural perspective because we, we know that there's herbs that can like say cortisol is too high and we want to help the body reset and bring the cortisol down, we can we can use the herbs have been researched to to do that and they don't have withdrawal symptoms or side effects or you know it's like there's no dependency on these herbs it's you use them to help your body reset or the opposite if the cortisol is too low we can use herbs to help increase the cortisol mm -hmm. or nutrients to help lower if it's too high or different nutrients that increase it if it's too low so i just always feel like it's so much better when we can test because then we know what the levels are and then i i can guide up guide people to rebalance even the neurotransmitters we know that serotonin for example is a neurotransmitter our bodies make our bodies make all of our neurotransmitters they didn't come from space and they definitely didn't come from a pill they come from in our bodies in fact a lot of these neurotransmitters are made in our digestion like serotonin is mostly made in the human digestion then it goes oh. to the nervous system and serotonin is a main calming neurotransmitter. We normally, a lot of times we hear it in relation to mood, like we think we're taught that if someone has low serotonin, they're more likely to have depression, but that's not even necessarily the case. Serotonin mm. can affect mood, but it can also affect energy, sleep, and focus. And so, and it's made from amino acids. All of our neurotransmitters are made from amino acids that come from protein in our diet. So if we go, wow, we eat protein like chicken, fish, <laughs> our other sources of protein like nuts. Our body digests the protein down to amino acids and then our body knows how to turn these amino acids into neurotransmitters. And if we're when we're under a lot of stress, we just use them up faster. Depending mm. on our genetics, we burn through them. We just keep I see. We're we're asking a lot of our body to say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be at a high level of stress, not just for a week, but for years." And the body starts to get depleted in serotonin because like I can't keep up. Same thing with mm. dopamine or and so when I look at these levels, then because I understand the biochemistry and the nutrition, I understand, oh, if I put in this nutrient, I know the body's gonna make more of this neurotransmitter. Or if this if adrenaline's too high, I know if I use this nutrient, it's gonna help it decrease. And so we can do so much of rebalancing neurotransmitters and hormones like cortisol just using nutrients and herbs that are again non-addictive no side effects they're just benefiting us so to me it's like i do that a lot with families and, and teens it's like how do we rebalance another scenario is i might see a parent like the mom might come in to see me as a patient for her health issues maybe she has mm. fatigue and i'm helping her and then she says hey can you help my my daughter or my son and then we it becomes you know a family event even sometimes we're in appointments together with the parents and the kids and we're helping them all to rebalance and to implement these strategies to help us be healthier while stressed i mean that's really my 
way of thinking of it is how can we support ourselves to be healthier while stressed because yes there's some stresses we could choose or not choose but ultimately we're gonna have some stress around we need to learn how to be healthy even though we're stressed we're here today with dr donnie wilson talking about a new way to think about stress with your teenager and we're not done yet here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show and i really believe we need to build into our schedule time to do nothing to be like hey i'm actually giving myself an hour where i don't need to make a phone call i don't need to be anywhere i don't need to talk to anybody i guess just get to do nothing how do we recover from stress without stressing ourselves out more? It's really like a paradox. There are aspects that can be tweaked based on the stress type and there are to be aware of even. Uh, for example, even like with exercise, yeah. we know yeah. that if exercise is very intense, it has the potential to raise our cortisol more. Like if a person already has high cortisol and now we're raising their cortisol more, okay, that's probably not the best exercise for that person. So we go, oh, okay, if yeah, I you know yeah. I already have high cortisol, okay. so you can then decide what intensity of exercise and duration and what time yeah. of day to match up with my stress type, for example, or with the stress recovery activities. And, and this is back to things, everything from taking a deep breath to uh, meditation or biofeedback, even just spending time in nature. There's a ton of research on mm. as humans, if we just get out in nature in some form, it helps our bodies reset from stress. So one person's stress type, and also they're just, they enjoy the most, might be completely different. You know, one person might be, hey, I really do best with, with journaling every morning. Okay, do that. Or another person, hey, I really do better if I can do a meditation before I go to bed. Perfect. You know, so it's about finding what's the best stress recovery activities for you based on your interest in your schedule and your stress time. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.